This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Pat's pals and Foxborough friends, we welcome you to the very latest and probably greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things, a presentation of WEEI weei.com odyssey sports and 2400 sports i'm your host today and one of the trio that actually showed up for the program today your old pal nick fitzy stevens on today's program we continue with our positional breakdown series in fantasipation of the 2022 patriot season talking new england patriots offensive line and who better to have on the show to talk patriots offensive line then arguably one of the people that actually played offensive line. All right, fine. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion, a Patriots Hall of Famer, one of the best left tackles of his generation, and from the Patriots, the one, the only Mr. Matt Light joins us live from the Light Foundation Studios in Ohio, USA. What's up, Matt? My man, Fitzy. Listen, the last time we were together, we were hanging out for hours in a liquor store. Mm-hmm. You know, totally on and, brand for me. Totally on brand. Yeah, and I, and I just wanted to say that you were really comfortable in that environment, and uh, and I feel like we tackled a lot of things. But I remember when we left, I was so jealous that you were getting to go see Star Wars via the pops, and and I, I'm still having a hard time. I, you get the tickets to all the good stuff, you know. Us retired old has-beens just hang out doing nothing, you know. Yeah, I know. It, it was really heavy lifting you promoting your delicious vodka, Kiel Vodka, which we'll get to in a moment. Kissing the babies, shaking the hands, taking the photos all day long. There I was documenting it, helping you promote both the brand, the persona, the event and all of that. And yes, I did make way. It was kind of almost a dream day. Like had I gone back and told 12 year old, 15 year old former me like, hey, Nick slash Fitzy. One day you're going to be hanging out with one of your favorite Patriots of all time at a liquor store. And then you're going to take your children to go see a concert where they play a Star Wars movie with the live soundtrack conducted by the Boston Pops. I either would have pinched or punched or maybe both myself because that was a pretty awesome day. I, I got I got the summer started off on the right note there, brother. You really did. Yeah. And, I, and like I said, I was very jealous and I will hopefully not miss the next go around on that one. But I think we're talking about something, you know, way off topic because I know that when you break down, I, I can't remember what you just called it. The fan. I, I said, we're looking forward with great fantasipation. I am, uh, I am one to wordsmith my way into uh, dad jokes, portmanteaus and other sort of uh wonderful terms. Well, I love it because I haven't heard it. And, and it's funny because it took me a decade away from the game, no longer as a player, not somebody right. that's, you know, invested in it in, in any real capacity. I wasn't covering it, you know, via radio or TV, uh, but a decade for me to like look at the game from the fans perspective, because I think for so many former athletes, uh, wh whether they went on to college or 
or professional sports, right? There's, there's this link to the game that's so granular because of how you played it, what you did, who you did it with, that when you step away from it after playing it, you know, for as long as someone like myself has, right. And, and all the things that you experience, man, it takes you a long time to understand it from the fans perspective, but I kind of get it now. I get the anticipation and how much is kind of riding on, you know, this team that you want to follow for the next six, eight months. Right. That we, that we live for, that we love so much, perhaps sometimes too much that we don't try not to live through the same way we try not to live through or be vicarious in the coaching and the raising of our children as well. But you can't help it. Like sometimes, you know, not to quote Notting Hill, because I didn't think I was going to bring uh, a Hugh Grant movie into our podcast, Matt. But at the same time, sometimes I just find myself, after all, I'm just a fan standing in front of a football team asking them to love him. And you know what? Over the years, I did it long enough. They did. They embraced me. And I got to know guys like yourself. And I am thrilled to be here like I was back in June with you. Just uh, let's set the table right here. Today, of course, we would like to remind you that upcoming on August the 6th, a Saturday, August the 6th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the fantabulous Yankee Spirits in Swansea, Massachusetts, the Matt Light Foundation is having their annual cornhole tournament to benefit the Light Foundation. For more information, you can visit yankeespirits.com. They are the Tom Brady of fabulous New England adult beverage celebration stores. And, of course, you can follow them on their socials at Yankee Spirits. BostonCornhole.com and Matt's, uh, shall we say, lighter side of life vodka brand at Keel Vodka on Instagram for more information. Matt, for anyone who doesn't know, just real quick, what does the Light Foundation do? Well, we're in the middle of it right now here in Ohio. We just ended up a couple of great camps. We had a football camp, 330 kids, completely free. They got to hang out and learn a lot about football. But, you know, everything we do through the Light Foundation really doesn't center around what I guess people would associate me with. And that's the game of football. Football is a great vehicle to get kids involved. But everything we do through the Light Foundation is about our leadership academy. And leadership is a broad stroke, right? At the end of the day, Here at the Light Foundation, we've got people that are passionate about working with young kids, young people, young adults, and just showing them that, hey, there's a different way to think about this. Hey, you know what? You actually have to be accountable for yourself. And hey, if you want to be involved, you got to put some skin in the game. You got to work at it, right? So we talk about work ethic and, and attitude and responsibility and ethics and accountability in, in, the, in forming great leaders because, hey, you know what? We need people that are going to wake up and show up on time, do what they say they're going to do. And unless we can help some of those that don't have the same kind of maybe, you know, support system that that I know I grew up with. Right. I was fortunate. So we love to do that. And we do it through a host of different camps. You know, some of them are four years where we're working with young men for four years. Sometimes it's just having kids get together and, and hang out at 550 acres of wilderness in the middle of nowhere right just good old-fashioned you know clear-cut free america just get out there have a time you know one of the one of the things a buddy of mine i worked with in radio and i've I've known him for decades great guy he said one of the biggest problems with kids today uh just sort of on the topic uh related to what you said is that they don't know how to be bored anymore and you know and and being able oh, to no. create from just a moment with your friends like this, like maybe sometimes there isn't an agenda. Maybe it's more just, hey, guys, we're going to get you together and you're going to have fun. We're going to find a ball. We're going to create an activity or we're going to figure out how we can have a good time and learn a little something today. 
And I know back in the playing days to dip deep in the Belichick well, the greatest ability is availability. But nobody really is taking the time to inform responsibility, accountability, things that some kids just who don't have the benefit of the raising you and I may have had or that don't have a Matt Light foundation in their lives need desperately. So, sure, maybe they don't come out of there, you know, uh, you know, ready to be the next Trent Williams. But at the same and, and, and no one need or, or Nick Bosa, that's not the job of the Matt Light Foundation. The Matt Light Foundation is to help them chart a course, teach them some values and get them going in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. And man, we love it. I mean, I get to be a kid with these kids. I mean, we just had, you know, eight, nine days straight living in the outdoors and yurts and hanging out outside and getting to know each other and sitting around firesides and and talking about things that are real, that really impact these young men and things that they struggle with. And then we actually did a 12 hour from nine o'clock at night till nine o'clock the next morning in the dark challenge course where they had to complete 10 different team building challenges going across the rope, I mean, a, a cable bridge, literally holding on to cables across the Greenville Creek. Holy you know, Navy they, SEAL vibes. Did they have to ring a bell, Master Chief, if they couldn't finish up? Hey, buddy, we, we did not leave anyone behind. They all survived, and we had uh, a ranger, Army ranger, there helping with it. We had nice. another guy with 27 years of military. But by the way, you know what's awesome? When you're working with young people, when you have credentials that they can't call BS on, yeah, they listen a lot more, right? So when you think about a young person who has a, 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 a Mac Jones, right, or a David Andrews or some current player sitting there talking to them, boy, they listen a little bit more, right? Because yeah. they're validated. Those people are validated in their minds, whether that's true or not. And in most cases, if you've made it to that level, you are. But guess what happens when you put an Army Ranger or a Navy SEAL in front of these young men? It's amazing how they tap in and they buy in. And I love seeing that. So that's what we do. We love it. And uh, we've had a lot of fun over the years getting to meet so many incredible kids from across the country. Considering some of the many stories, uh, tragic or just plain unfortunate that we've heard about post-playing careers for a number of people who we enjoyed and celebrated the Sunday talents of, to see you doing what you do, loving what you're doing and taking the time out to do it at no great profit for yourself, actually, excuse me, at no great financial profit, more for the sort of spiritual, parental, and just plain human profit you do it at. I kind of love that big guy. I really do. And so keep keep it up. Uh, if you guys want more information, it's mattlight72.com on the foundation's great work. And, of course, the Cornhole Tourney is Saturday, August 6th at Yankee Spirits in Swansea, Massachusetts. Uh, all right. I got a question for you. This one comes fresh off of what was going on last night. Matt Light, did you ever have a Chris Sale-style bad rehab start at the Worcester Red Sox-style meltdown like he had last night now obviously it may not have there's no there's no woo socks there's no worcester red socks for you but of course the video went viral this morning chris sale walks somebody with the bases loaded on his final pitch and his final tune-up start before he rejoins the red Sox. he's been injured a couple years did you ever have a game that led you to walk into the tunnel and just son of a again just like tearing down lights knocking over gatorade causing a whole ruckus did that ever happen to you you know, it, it's what's amazing is the difference in sports, right? Like it, it, what hockey guys do versus football versus basketball, you know, baseball. 
to answer your question, no, I, I never had a moment like that. And, and I didn't see that um, really throughout my entire career. Now in the college rank, right? Like back yeah. in those days, emotions were a lot higher. Guys didn't control themselves as much. And definitely even in the league, there were times where we, we went into the locker room. I can think about a time in Miami that got very interesting in our locker room um, with an individual and a coach, right? You have little moments, but for the most part, the game of football is so measured and it's so calculated and you have such little time for those kind of things to happen. You, it's the move on mentality, right? Bill used to right. talk about it all the time. Hey, look, you know, we're not dwelling on that play that happened before because we've got to get ready for the next one. Or we're not sitting there, you know, we're on to Cincinnati, right? We're on yeah. to the next opponent. We're on to the next thing. And and I think for most people in sports, you've learned to do that. But there are some that, man, it is hard to give up those moments where you're just so frustrated and so upset and so angry about what's going on, you know? You know, like you've told me that, in past conversation that with Bill, when you win, you're going to get your ass probably handed to you or he's going to break you down in the film session on Monday because he doesn't want you getting too big ahead or getting ahead of yourself. And then if you lose, but you played your asses off, he's going to celebrate you and give you your props and hip hops and loud the effort come Monday. But I just got to think it's human nature and it's been very divisive today. We record this on a Thursday. We're live streaming on the Fitzy Facebook page. The podcast, of course, comes out Friday morning and WEI and wherever you get your podcasts at Six Rings Pod on the socials. You know, it's very divisive today because some people are like, all right, good to see you still got the fire there, Sale. This guy's sick and tired of losing. He's pissed off. And then some people are like, you get $29 million a year. There's lots of kids watching. Grow up, respect the game, respect yourself. This is childish behavior. But if you've got that fire in you and you just want to get back out there and do what you love and do it to the ability, the all-star elite ability you have, it has to just light a fire under your ass or give you a, a real red eye when you go out there and you just don't do it right. Yeah, and I, I think that when you see people lose control that are at a certain level, right, it, it, I don't know that it's ever necessarily a good thing, you know, because if they're frustrated and they're not able to get back to their old form or – you know, they're just, you know, aging out of the sport or whatever it may be. I'm not sure that when you see those kind of emotions that it ends up well long term, right? At the end of the day, I think, right. you know, look, it's 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 the inevitable side. And I think for baseball players, I think for them, and I don't know if there's a statistic that would prove this, but I think that they have the ability to leave the game on their terms better suited maybe than what we have in football, right? In football, is I feel like just the rate of injury and 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 how certain positions can go from being really effective one year to you know taking a toll on their body. You think about the running backs of the of yesteryear, right? When I got in the league, you know, you get two or three good seasons out of a running back, and then things start to go downhill, right? You get like the Demarco Murray treatment, where he's like the boss of the league for four years in Dallas. They ride him extra hard in a contract year. Don't re-sign him. He goes to Philadelphia. It's diminishing returns by two years later. We've never even heard of the guy anymore. So it's yeah. it's it's a brutal and unfair sport in the, in that regard. And I can only imagine that sometimes, you know, you just want to trash a hotel room like Johnny Depp or a rock star. You want to take a baseball bat to a bullpen phone like Big Poppy. You know what they should do? They should build a rage room at Gillette Stadium so that, like, 
you know, I'm sure you, you know, you've thrown axes. You've probably chainsawed some things. You're a grown ass man having a nice rage room. You get 30 seconds, go in there, just knock some shit around for a while. Come back out. <sighs> I feel better. Yeah. The Neanderthal safe space. Yeah. We need a, we need a, we need that. <laughs> Let's open that up. I'll, I'll, I'll fill the tap lines. We'll, we'll get Yankee spirits to provide the adult beverages. We'll call it Matt lights, Neanderthal safe spaces. You have a beverage, you go in, knock some crap around for a <laughs> It could be it could be what the league needs right now, you know? <laughs> it could be <laughs> sound totally supervised. What a great idea. All right. Uh so Matt, let's uh we've been doing these positional breakdowns all throughout the last couple of weeks here on the Six Rings podcast. We've gone through safeties, which we believe to be the strongest positional group of the eleven positional groups on the team. We've talked quarterbacks and how Mac, Hoyer, and Zappy might actually be an above average upper upper half, maybe upper tier of the league type of quarterback room uh, wide receivers. I personally think they don't get as much respect because it's a very complimentary room with not a lot of skill set redundancy. Talk tight ends, running backs could be a top space. There are some other ones that could be a little weak, but one that's in a lot of transition, much like cornerbacks and linebackers, your familiar, your familiar favorite spot, the offensive line. So before we look to 2022, just tell me, how do you think they performed in 2000? and 21 give them a grade and tell me how you think they did last season I mean I think they did pretty good I mean look I think uh you know you're talking about a rookie quarterback you know and man it's it's hard to put into words what it's like to have a guy you know that's stepping in filling big shoes in a complex offense asked to do a lot you know um you know obviously they didn't throw everything at at Mac last year but they asked him to do quite a bit you know, and if you look at how he responded and how they game plan, right? You know, look, there are teams that, as Bill would say, do what they do, right? Yeah. New England is not one of those. They are a pure game plan team from week to week. And I'm not sure that everyone fully understands what it takes to be a team like that and the attention to detail and all the effort that goes into it. And so, you know, the line was asked to do a lot more than what you would do if you had a veteran quarterback, right? Um, the line, you know, had some mix-ups and they had guys in and out of the, the rotation with some injuries. But I would say overall, they did yep. a decent job, right? Um, look, where where New England has 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 earned, you know, their, you know, where, where they set the stage up front is when they can mix in a running game. Now I'm going back to the Brady era, right? But even when we had our most success under TB12 and that whole mindset, we were really good in the run game or we were really good in the short passes and the screen tear screen game, which is a function of the running game. These are these are hallmarks of, yeah, people don't spend enough time in my people don't everyone just thinks like New England running backs. It begins with Corey Dillon like, oh, 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 hold on a second. Let's not forget how great Antoine Smith was couple of seasons no with doubt. the Patriots let's let's remember Sammy Morris was, was great except for that chest day which was awful in 2007 uh he got and the in the history of pass catching running backs from J.R. Redmond through Kevin Falk uh little Danny Woodhead and beyond and, be, and then into Shane Verena and your post-playing days like that's a legacy position for the Patriots that's what makes the game plan offense of the Patriots move and it starts with the effectiveness of a line that knows where to be and how to get their ass out in space on time and that's a great point I mean you talk about being in space and being able to control 350 pounds 
against somebody that's far more athletic. That's where discipline and being able to coach the game and practice the game. So what I also think is good to note when you talk about the offensive line. So, yes, a running game is key. The 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 tear screen being a good screen team is so difficult. There's not been very many good ones in the last decade. So so if you can do those things, you're doing well. But here's the real just to all of it, or here's the real problem with that mentality. You can't practice anymore, right? So the yeah. things that you need to do to be really good at that aspect of your offensive game plan, you really can't do anymore. So, you know, the teams that find a way to, to mentally prepare, watch tons of film, and then go out there and make the best use of their practice time will be the teams that win. And so for that reason, when you had a guy like Dante Scarnecchia, who everybody talks about, but they don't really understand the real power behind him, he utilized every ounce of every second that he had with those guys in that offensive line room. And because of that, they overcame the lack of practice, the lack of preparation, the lack of being able to run these things with not just your first team guys, but your backups. Again, that's why the league in so many ways is far more vanilla now than it's ever been. But the teams who are disciplined, which Bill Belichick is clearly still that, and that have an offensive line coach like Dante, if they can get back to that, the guys like the David Andrews that, that are the veterans of that, that, you know, Trent and Brown and all these guys that have skill will benefit greatly from being super disciplined. Yeah, see, that's the perfect way to put it. An economy of minutes, time, and effort. That's sort of like the secret sauce behind Dante Scarnecchia, which I know people have picked at with you and other members of uh, the Patriots in the first decade of the double dynastic run. Like what made Dante Scarnacchia so great? I want to know why Sky is such a legend. Like doesn't, doesn't F around just like he, he gets in there, gets the absolute best out of you by also making sure that he gets the most out of the time that he has with you as well. So I agree. I thought the line was good last year. It was great to see Trent Brown come back. Now, 2022 we get into the offseason as we steamroll towards a wildly unpredictable and god only knows what's going to happen type of season for the pats offensive lines in transition looks like big trent is going to make his way back to left tackle where he dominated in 2018 his only fully healthy season you kick isaiah went over to right tackle now big mike on when you comes back on the line of guard david andrews uh the rocket center from georgia and now we bring in a guard that they drafted out of need because they created the need in letting Big Shaq Mason go down to Tampa, giving him the Logan Mankins treatment, except there wasn't a Tom Brady there when Logan Mankins was shipped out in August 2014. So were you surprised to see the Patriots trade pro football Focus's favorite Patriot Shaq Mason? And how psyched were you to see them go get an offensive lineman in the first round? Yeah, I mean, not shocked, as you know. Uh, hold on, because it's going to be a wild ride every season, every year. When Lawyer Malloy gets shipped out, you know, one year, and he's one of our team captains, you know, a mere week before we're getting ready to play the team that we're sending. You know, I mean, like, nothing surprises you as a Patriot fan. Um, but I kind of thought that they would have learned some lessons, maybe. And But, but I'm saying that based right. on what I know, right? So – 
you know, back in the day when they let Logan Mankins go, I can say on this show and everywhere across the world that they made a terrible uh, mistake, right? It was, it was not the right way to go. And they discounted and they, and they do this because they don't always know every position who, who makes that, that those intangible kind of uh, impacts on the team, right? You can't measure it. It's not something that's in a statistic. It's right. not something that you see at practice. It goes way beyond that. And it's really important today more than ever. So they made a mistake with Logan. And I kind of thought that when it came to Shaq's contract and wh- whether he would stick around or not, that they would have probably kept him. But again, I don't know that he's exactly like a Logan Mankins. But right. I do like what they brought in because he he seems like a versatile, hungry, aggressive. And, and I use the word aggressive you can say nasty. You can say wouldn't mind getting into a street fight. Those are the kind of linemen that I always love playing with. So I like I like who they brought in on paper. It'll be really interesting to see how he develops throughout the you know mini camp, passing camp, and as we get into training camp, where they put him. And don't be surprised if they don't feel him out at tackle as well. Because I, yeah. I feel like he's yeah. going to be the kind of guy that they can swing around multiple positions and uh and he could be highly effective yeah it looks like they got some young guys to come in and be positionally versatile this year which is going to be one of the keys for an offensive line that could also be undergoing a little bit of a scheme change if not a scheme tweak so there have been some uh rumblings if not whisperings that maybe the patriots will be introducing a little bit of a shanahanian twist to the offensive line and the blocking scheme this year We could see a little more RPO. We could see a little more zone run, borrowing from what worked all those years in Denver with Mike Shanahan, friend of Belichick, with Kyle Shanahan out there in San Francisco on one of the most dynamite offenses in recent NFL memory. How hard is that for a guy like yourself? Like when you're playing offensive line, knowing like, oh, shit, is this a run or a pass? Up, hurry up. Just, all right, head on a swivel. Let's go. It knocks someone to the ground. Is it that much tougher to play or is it that much more fun? You know, it, it can be a lot more fun. It, 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 the difficulty, I wouldn't say the difficulty comes in the form of, it, it, you know, you have all these different options and, and communication, especially with the Belichick coach team, yeah. is going to happen. Because if it doesn't, they're going to scrap it and go very vanilla, right? I mean, there's definitely been times where we've set out the game plan and do a certain thing. And because of, in most cases, personnel, problems right we thought we'd have a guy up we thought we'd have a guy available we don't because of that or because it just wasn't gelling right during you know the week of preparation we're gonna back off on a lot of these creative nifty misdirection trick them dick them kind of plays and we're gonna do what we do best right and so you know that that's great but I gotta tell you I think that one of the ways you win in the National Football League today is get more creative because again remember the one constant is the lack of preparation the lack of people being able to go out there and practice things over and over again and for so many players that's the only way they're going to get it but see the kind of people they bring into to Gillette the kind of people that we have in New England they're going to forego some talent to have guys that can think on their feet read and react to things in real time right Yep. And when you have players like that, and if you're lucky enough to keep those guys healthy, 
and keep them in those reps and get more and more experience, you're able to do things that other teams just can't react to because they can't practice it either. So, you know, look, I, I hope that is the case. I hope we see a little bit more misdirection, a little bit more uh, of these kind of, you know, I don't want to say wildcat, but but get creative with what you do up front because you're going to need that at some point. Oh, for sure. But this is also, and this is what I kind of like about it too. Uh, in college, that's what Mac Jones excelled at. Like he's so smart. He's so studied up. He's so prepped. Uh, people have said like smartest guy, you know, the, I've never seen a quarterback prep like this guy. Like he's well ahead of the curve. And now Josh moves on to Vegas. I think Vegas is going to have a hell of an offense this season. And they're one of my sneaky playoff picks. How are you going to stop Vegas on third? Sidebar to just what we're talking about. How are you going to stop Vegas on third down this year when Derek Carr, who I think is wildly underrated, steps back to pass, and his options in a short passing game are running back Josh Jacobs, excellent, uh, tight end Darren Waller, maybe the best at his position in the NFL, Devontae Adams, maybe the best position at, at his position in the NFL, and friggin' Hunter Renfro, who's like Wes Welker 2.0. How do you stop them on third down this season? It shouldn't be easy, and it's not going to be easy. And Josh, Josh is really good at at not just scheming things up and game planning for certain things, right? But he's yep. good at coaching, right? And and, I, and and that should be a given. People are like, oh, yeah, no kidding, he's a coach. Well, that's not <laughs> always a given, you know? There's a lot of guys that are good at telling you but not coaching you, right? There's, there's yep. a huge difference there. So, yeah, I think that, you know, look, as long as those guys have buy-in, and mm-hmm. they're tapped in when they're out there, yeah. they're going to be really difficult to beat in, in a lot of situations. Yeah, Derek Carr is my uh, value pick. I think he's 28-1 to 1 right now in Vegas for MVP, so uh, I'd watch out for them. That digression aside, you in on this Mac Jones kid? Yeah, look, uh, the, best, the best barometer for me uh, as a guy that's no longer there is to ask the guys that are around him the most, right? And so... You know, you, we're talking, we're down offensive line. And and I like to think that, you know, most people, uh, while they won't pay attention to the offensive line, they're going to see the offensive line shine in the form of their receivers and their running backs and their quarterbacks. And when the offensive line, who is has the most players on the field at any one time of any position, right, and they all yeah. got to know exactly what everybody's doing, um, when those guys are saying great things about a rookie quarterback – before training camp even happens, then you have to feel good about what the potential is long-term. So I heard great things about Mac and his preparation, his attitude, how he carried himself, the things that he, you know, was placing upon himself in terms of that leadership position. Um, You know, everything sounded unbelievably polished for a young cat stepping into a very intimidating, you know, atmosphere. That said, when you watched him on the field and you saw him read and react in real time, make in time, you know, uh, uh, changes to what he was doing, his technique to, you know, one week to the next, having to deal with throwing the ball like crazy one week and then handed it off like crazy. And so it told me that not only does he have all those attributes that these guys talked about, but that he's humble, right? He's willing to do whatever he's got to do. And that's not a... I don't want to sound like the old man uphill both ways, but that's not something you see every day out of that position in the National Football League or even in high school, I hate to say. No, I see. I think it's the the preparation and 
we got off or rather I got off on the Josh McDaniels tangent momentarily because some say Josh had the restrictor plates. Josh had him operating in safe mode, never coming out of third gear last year, but you're learning a whole new pro offense. Doesn't matter how good he was in Alabama the year before. It's a tough transition, which we don't even have to get into going from college to pro. Even if you are a national champion going from, uh, you know, Hale Saban, friend of Belichick with Alabama, all the way up to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, the real guy taking over for Tom Brady. But now Mac really gets to show us what he's all about. And to me, a power run game, and I know uh, a good uh, good stats for a running back are probably the greatest stats for an offensive lineman. You keep them clean, blast open some holes, get some touchdowns. That makes you smile. That makes you feel like you did your job. You, this year, Mac Jones excels. He has a good year this year. The offense, so goes the offensive line as well. But someone who's come under a, a wee spot of scrutiny as we wrap up here has been uh, this new play calling uh, contingency forum, whatever you want to call it. Judge, Patricia, Bill, et al. Looks like Patricia's coaching the offensive line. Um, I've heard from people that are concerned about it. I've also heard from some former players who say, hey, listen, you know, this is a big old smokescreen. Patricia can coach any position on the field as well. He belongs in the trenches with the big guy. You think he's ready ready this year to rock with those guys? Well, I can tell you this much. Uh, Matty P was the assistant to Dante Scarnecchia in his first role in New England, right? A lot of people forget about that. A lot of people yep. overlooked that. It wasn't something a lot of people talked about, and he wasn't there long. I think it was just a season, season and a half, right? That's where he got his first look at the big leagues, right? Um and, and I do agree with the idea that he could coach any position. I mean, his knowledge of the game. I mean, he he followed Bill around everywhere he went for years and years and years just so that he could get that perspective. And he's a really bright guy. Dare I say rocket scientist, okay? So um, literally. So with that said, I don't have any problem if he is the guy at offensive line because he's going to do a push him um he's gonna be good yeah i think he's gonna- and i think we're back okay here we go yeah we're good we just had a little digital blip there I, yeah uh so you think matt you think matt patricia will do a great job on offensive line i i agree as I well do. yeah i do i think he's gonna do a good job and the offense is going to be no one knows what this offense is going to look like this year and that's going to be part of what they're going to need the element of surprise because uh wow the afc east the afc overall juiced up big time this year and it's going to be uh, a hell of a season. We got one, uh, we got a listener question right here. Uh, Ian Winward would like to say, Hey Matt, uh, with linebackers getting faster and running backs being brought into the passing game more, which we just discussed a minute ago. Do you see the role of enormous skill position players changing? Do you think the O-line will also shrink league wide? Do you think, oh, oh, think offensive line, like linebackers are getting quicker linebackers and safety. It's like a position that's merging. Do you think O-linemen will ever have to get quicker? Or are we still going to need the big boys? Well, look, I, I think you've already seen that happen, right? Uh, you know, we we were kind of spoiled in New England. You know, I looked at the guys that, you know, were coming in playing my position. I got Sebastian Ballmer. He's like six foot nine, 320 pounds, runs like a deer, you know, no, no body fat. And I thought, man, they'll never make another human being like that. And then they bring in Nate Solder, you know, six foot 10 almost. <laughs> runs faster than a deer and has legit zero body fat. And I'm sitting there as the fat, short, you know, like unathletic, you know, white dude wondering how in the world could I ever keep pace with these guys, right? 
so I saw the transition definitely starting during my 11 years, right, from, from start to finish. Look at a guy like David Andrews, right? Um, very similar to what we had in Dan Copen body position, right? We're yeah. used to seeing size get a little smaller in the interior, and then we expect to see these massive behemoths on the outside. That doesn't work anymore. you got to be able to move. You've got to be able to control yourself, as you said, in short space quickness, out in the wide open. you got to be able to make plays. You know, those guys are being asked to do more up front today than what they would have been asked to do, you know, 15, 20 years ago. That's a fact. And these guys getting smaller. I remember Belichick, when he brought in a Dalius Thomas, the thing that he loved about him is here's a dude that could play safety or he could be a nose tackle. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. The possibility of a guy like him, there's a lot more guys that fit that mold today, right, that could line up almost anywhere, on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But look at what they're doing now, moving guys. Look at how we use Gronk, how we use him in the backfield, how we use him at the edge presence, how we put him in a wham block. Guys are getting asked to do a ton today, and you need to have that versatility. Everybody needs to get more athletic. By the way, Brian Watson in the chat wants to point out, uh, Matt, you were stocky, not fat. Uh, we're just rebranding that for anyone that would get sent that get upset about that. Everyone's going to have to get more, more athletic because you got safeties playing as linebackers, linebackers as safeties. Uh, you know, Debo Samuel became one of the best running backs in the league, even though the kids are also one of the best wide receivers in the league. We're hoping we see a little bit more of that out of Kendrick Bourne this year as well. So sounds like you're, uh, you're kind of in on the more athletic transitionally, uh, transitioning offensive line that is more athletic vote of confidence for Maddie P and two great running backs too. Uh, I mean, wouldn't you, I mean, you had some great running backs in your day, like we talked about though, but Damian Harris, one cut and boom. And then the guy who may, might turn out to be baby beast mode, Ramondre Stevenson, Ninko went on the air and said, this kid's going to finish top five in the league this year. Top five. And, and you know what, if he does, that means we had a hell of a season. I mean, mark my words, you run the ball, and we talked about this a lot. I mean, we, we talk about this every week. If you run the ball 25 times or more in a game, the odds that you win it are off the charts. You're going to win the game. So that tells you a lot about the running game. So if, if he has a season like Nico's saying, and like a lot of people are hoping, we're going to have one hell of a season as a team. 450 carries or so for combined for Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. And I will see you playing meaningful football or will be watching as they play meaningful football in January and beyond. Uh, Matt, thank you again for the time today, brother. It's been a pleasure having you on the six rings pod. Uh, I'm sure you're also upset by the way. Do you like this bit, this call? I know this is off topic of pro football, the college realignment, a Purdue guy, a big 10 guy, you know, you're a very meat and potatoes, proud, red blooded steak eating American. Uh, I'm sorry, USC Rutgers, man, the tradition of big 10 football on full display. What a mess. What are we doing? That's the question I have. What's next? What's going to happen? Are we going to have some directional school in the middle of the country come in here? We're going to have West central East Idaho state come in. I mean, what, what exactly is happening? I read that. I thought it was a joke. I thought maybe I was looking at some ridiculous, I don't know what. And, like a headline it, from it, The Onion or something. Yeah, it's real. That's actually happening. I'll tell you what's what's more upsetting is the NIL. What's happening in sports due to paying players and making these guys, you know, even more of a rock star than they need to be, right? That's the real worry. 
Um, what they're doing to the Big Ten, a whole nother conversation. I can't believe it's actually happening, but hey, here we go. That's right. Uh, everyone is fired up for Purdue at USC this October or in two Octobers from now. The tradition that carries on. I mean, we have the old oak and bucket. We have our traditional games at each one of these schools, right? We got the shillelagh. We've got all these schools. What are we going to do now? By the way, you can't even have traditions anymore. You know, it's like frowned upon to have something that's always been done traditionally. But when you take away like some of the most core, like Ohio State, Michigan, is that rivalry not going to be as juiced up as it always, you know, Right, because so someone's because ah. someone's feelings might get hurt. Are they not allowed to play for the axe anymore between Wisconsin and Minnesota? I'm, right, I, I, seriously, like I know, I know. They, we they, we we hold on to traditions for a reason. The ones that are that are that are great like this, and you introduce all this other stuff, and it just kind of diminishes what has always been a great. I mean, I don't know. I didn't think the Big Ten was in trouble or needed any help, you know, from a ratings or anything else standpoint, but. Maybe we'll both be proven wrong, and maybe this will be a great thing looking back on it five years from now. I just have a hard time believing that. Yeah, when Boise State joins the Atlantic Coast Conference, uh, <laughs> and you've got Pac-12 teams in the MAC, and then the Mountain West turns into the Big 12. At this point, just create four. Just have a college football north, college football east, college football west, college football south. Give me eight teams in a playoff system have a nice little tourney and then we'll go from the championship to the Super Bowl and then we'll all be miserable in March because there's nothing worth watching. Well, listen, I mean, here's the good thing. And I and I'm saying this as a guy that grew up right here in the state of Ohio where I'm at right now, the home of cornhole. Cornhole was created, the game, I'm talking about the game. That's right. Right here in Ohio. And so you talk about a tournament you have an opportunity to play in something that is sacred, the game of cornhole. That's right, baby. In Swansea, August 6th, go to Keel's Instagram or, you know, go to yankeespirits.com. We teamed up with Yankee and, and our vodka company, Keel Vodka, and we are going to be having fun on the 6th. So if everything else changes, you can bank on the fact that we will be in Swansea having one hell of a good time right outside the Yankee Spirits there on August 6th from 1 to 4. It's free, by the way free sign up go online you can go to bostoncornhole.com as well and click on tournaments all the information is there and we look forward to seeing everybody we've got some awesome prizes too by the way brother i'm telling you really cool sports memorabilia signed you know jerseys the whole nine so um i know you're going to be there hopefully and yes, sir. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll even have a chance to play together I, you watch out, man. I can I can toss me some bags. All the tailgates and pregame parties I've been at, I am a tossed bagged warrior. My one rule of pregame party efforts, I just have to be able to play said game with one hand because I need to keep my other hand free for a beverage. And you can do that with cornhole, and that's all that matters to me. It's at Keel Vodka on IG for the info, at Yankee Spirits on IG or yankeespirits.com. All to benefit a great guy doing great work in a great state like Ohio. Visit mattlight72.com for more details. And, of course, I'll pin and put all of the information on my stories and my Instagram as well, at FitzyGFY. Thank you very much once again, Mr. Matt Light, Patriot Hall of Famer, three-time Super Bowl champion, joining us today on the Six Rings podcast. I'll see you soon, brother. I appreciate all the effort and everything that you do with the foundation and representing the brand and the team and the legacy of the dynasty so very much. That'll wrap this Six Rings podcast. We'll talk to you guys soon. God bless. Good luck. And as always, go Patriots. See you, Matt. See you, bud. Thanks a lot.